You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Lambgoat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Van Flip Podcast brought to you by Lambgoat. Today, I am sitting with Igor from the Connecticut Melodic Doom slash Death Metal Band, Fires in the Distance. Welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing today? Good, man. Glad to be here. I can't believe I said buddy. That is like the lamest thing. I've never done that on this podcast. But anyway... Yeah, it's been called a, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a long back and forth uh, between you guys or you and I. Um, I know you guys stopped by here a couple months ago, and you were playing with uh, Don of um, God. I fucking I mess this name up all the time. Osaburos. What was it? Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah. Okay. I got. It. I yeah. I made the R and S. So yeah, that was a that was a great show that you guys played down here uh, in Jacksonville. And um, I was pretty excited about catching that one. Uh, but I'm also excited about getting this podcast finally after two months of back and forth uh, on the yeah, re- on the on the wax, so to speak. It, yeah, it took a little bit um, a little bit of more time than I expected. But um, as soon as we got back from the tour, I was also like applying to new jobs and uh, it's a little hectic. And I just I just started uh, a new gig, too. So. It's been, you know, my schedule's been a little wonky, but uh, finally got, you know, we're finally here. So yeah, it's, yeah. Awesome. it's not just you; it was also me. I'm busy on my end, and you know, we're only emailing back and forth, and I get, I don't know, a thousand emails a day. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, good. it's good that I can catch them every now and then. But that being said, you guys had a great year. It seemed, um, you know, you had your uh, sophomore album uh, come out. Um, Air not meant for us, I believe, is the title of it. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You also had an instrumental of that record coming out, or that came out earlier this year too. And I want to get into that as to like why you did that. But um, yeah, you guys, was this your second prosthetic record? Record or yeah. okay, yeah. So you guys had your debut in 2020, um, right? So what was the main difference between you know that original or uh, your um, debut record with Fires? Because it seemed like you guys kind of hit the next level as far as like that album because you know like when you guys shared your um spotify wrapped stats which obviously is not like you know the end-all be-all as to like rank a hierarchy of bands or popularity or anything like that but it was quite interesting you guys had like seven hundred thousand streams but you also like i think that was what was pretty interesting was you guys had like 170 countries or something like that that kind of or 140 sorry 140 um countries that you guys kind of reached through that out through spotify so what what made it like much more i don't want to say palatable but much more accessible for other people um the the first one was definitely much more experimental um it was it was um 
primarily music that I wrote when I stepped away from my last, like, just straight up melodic death metal band, and I was venturing into new territory that was, you know, I, I, somebody somewhere down the line called us Doom at one point. I don't really see it that way. I think it's just a slower mellow death. Um, I can see the confusion. I mean, I, I can see the little bit. Yeah. Of There's like a little hints of it, but like you said, it's it is just like a slower melodic death metal sound too. There's, I mean, it's definitely very melancholy, but I don't, I don't think it's like straight up doom band. Um, but yeah, the first one was just like me kind of exploring new territory and seeing what I can do with like different soundscapes as opposed to, you know, um, just really straightforward like dark tranquility ish. Uh, mellow death and then uh this this one that came out earlier this year was just more refined i had more time to really think it through i had a, uh some other people on my team that i was working with uh as far as orchestrations and uh really bringing like real instruments into it like um i worked with uh randy slaw who recorded uh live cellos and live mm. violins and violas and things like that and he he played uh, some of the piano parts he wrote parts of the album as well so um you know it was a, it was a much more concentrated and thought out effort where i was kind of i kind of knew like i had a better idea of what i was doing with it so mm-hmm. i think also it gets a little like gets a little bit of the doom uh name tag too because you have like 10 minute seven minute long songs that are kind of slow yeah. drawn out which is not a bad thing <laughs> i'm just saying like it's easily to be confused you know what i mean like that seems to be it isn't it's not though you know what i you're mean not like, like a droney just, doom band that's what i should say it's not like a droney kind of like doom like traditional you know band where it's just like gutturals with long drawn out like strumming and stuff like that you guys definitely are like you know doing the whole death metal thing too you you guys have that sound you have some uh some keys and synths which you also kind of do in the band on top of the guitar work that you do but it it does kind of get like a like you said a melancholy vibe uh with the long songs so kind of can seem like a little bit doomy but I view it's not. the lengthy songs is more of like a, a proggy element than mm-hmm. you know a doom element like and i, I try not to limit much it, it is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time not bad necessarily but it does make things difficult like coming up with a live set is not really easy because we have songs ranging from you know 10 minutes to eight minutes and trying to like figure out which pieces we can play without cutting anything out in uh 30 or half an hour to 45 minutes perfectly is is kind of like um a process in and of itself like just sitting down figuring out okay like we have literally we're 30 seconds between these two songs otherwise we're going to run late so it's you know so do you have to like uh, pick do, i mean with that being said do you have songs that you cut a little bit out of like you, do you guys like maybe like a long a longer intro or outro yeah. or, or parts but do you also like have to because again i don't know if every song that you guys have on this record or your previous record is tuned to a um the same you know key or if you're down tuned or, or standard or whatever do you guys does that limit you too as well as like the because you have in between you know you have sh- small bits of in between songs do you have like you're like okay well i gotta grab this other guitar right or, yeah you know what i mean no that definitely factors in on um, the 
the first um, album was on six strings. The second one was on seven strings. It's essentially the same tuning. Um, uh, I mean, the, the the six strings was in drop B, and the the sevens was in drop F sharp. So it's basically like C sharp all the way to the until the top string. So it's you can make it work. It's just uh, you know if we were playing songs off the first one. But the thing is, like, sometimes we do have to cut some intros or kind of piece them together um, on our own end, uh, you know, um, when we're putting the backing tracks together for Jordan, because he's in charge of all that with his laptop, you know, by the drums. So we're all kind of following him. Sometimes we have to, like, cut out open space parts, uh, Mm. which, you know, just to save time and... uh, just just plan on how to go into the next song just to, you know a little bit faster so we're not running late but i mean we kind of have it down to a science at this point but sometimes it's definitely we'd like to play certain songs live but there are certain songs which you can't really omit because um they're like establishers mm. <laughs> so like there's the particular like idiopathic despair is something we will always close with and you know especially for this past tour like harbinger's the first song on mm-hmm. on this new album is it's an opener like you can't really put them in different spots they, they just don't belong there that's why they're arranged the way they are on, on the record so and that's 20 minutes of the whole damn set right there yeah yeah <laughs> and, and then you can't you can't talk i mean not that i like a lot of chatter in between but it's just like you can't connect sometimes with the ba- you really have audience, to plan yeah. it out yeah, yeah. so that is... so that's the downside to it the upside to it is like i don't like to cut anything um i don't really like there's definitely some parts in in these songs that i think could be a little bit shorter and then some that seem long but when i cut them out it just doesn't feel complete so like when we were um getting these vinyls together we definitely ran into an issue where like one of the songs was a little bit too long and there was a suggestion thrown around to like cut a minute or two out of it and i just i just couldn't do that because mm. it just didn't feel, it just didn't feel right so like we we found a solution like at the end of the day but um you know uh, just just speaking to like the length of some of these tracks i mean it's really difficult to cut out some of the parts because i feel like they're they're there for a reason so and I know it might bore some people. I'm like, who wants to listen to a 10 minute song sometimes? But a lot of people have a short attention span. I get that. That's but, true. Uh, but you know, know, I'm it, not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna structure this music to cater to anybody. So. Hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Looks like you're enjoying the podcast. If you are and you like what we're doing here on the Van Flip, why don't you go ahead and pause this, give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lambgoat or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. Um, I spent... um... I spent a bit of the morning 
listening to it. Oh, let me put it on here so it's not blurry. Yeah, I got the CD. <laughs> I got the CD at the show. Uh, I thought that got... was the parental advisory. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've been spending some more time with the, uh, and I forgot that they were long songs. You know what I mean? Like it just, it doesn't feel like I'm listening to a 10 minute long song, which is probably a good thing for the listener. But there's so much involved in like, you know the layering the guitar work the synth work and there's you know there's a lot that adds to each track that makes you feel like you're just along for the ride for the most part and not really like it's not a daunting task right so like you got like six songs on this record and i'm sure the runtime is something like 50 minutes or or whatever around that time you know what i mean 51 pretty close (laughs) so you know it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like you're out to you know, complete this whole big giant, like a thousand page book, you know what I mean? Like it, it goes through very quickly, uh, you know, and that, that's something that's pretty awesome. Um, you guys also like released an instrumental version of that record uh, later in the yeah. year, like in October. What was the, like, what was the idea behind that? And is that something that you guys like what prosthetic suggest, or you guys just felt like, Hey, we should just do this on a, no, we did that with the first one as well. And mm. the reason I like to do that is because originally this project w- was meant to be instrumental. I never wanted okay. vocals on it. It's just something that came up later. And like the vocals that we have um, with Christian, like they fit. Uh, I try to keep them pretty scarce throughout the songs, um, but not too scarce. But at the end of the day, like, after both of these releases we um got messages from people asking if you know we had uh clean versions of these songs because there's people that like both there's people that you know are not into the harsh death metal uh growls and stuff like that and just would like to hear the music so um we you know we kind of decided that why not just release a clean version digitally a little bit later in the year and we'll probably do that with every album going forward too because you know people definitely request uh both so why not just give it to them yeah i mean that is an interesting uh interesting way to get the music out there too um people can do karaoke to it if they if they would like to uh sure did and it's not like the instrumental stuff is not anything we'll ever print vinyl for or anything like that it's just like a, a, a you know at a much cheaper cost on on the digital platform on like Bandcamp or something like that yeah so. it's just out there for whomever would like to have it uh, you know i get that yeah. so was craig uh just i know craig does the vocals but is that something like you just said you didn't imagine it having vocals in this project when it started is that something that just kind of happened throughout like writing the first record or writing the first couple songs like you guys were like Hey, Craig's got some good death metal vocals. We should use that sparingly. Well, Craig and throughout Christian it. both. Craig Craig does the backup vocals and bass. Christian does the the front mm. um, vocals, and uh, Christian was the first guy I invited to play with me when I was working some of the first album out. Uh, him and I have always been in different bands growing up, and we never really worked together. Um, and then he was at a point in his life where he wasn't really working on any specific projects, and he, I mean. He had he always had a really good death metal voice so you know when we were working through some of the guitar parts we were just kind of giving it some thought and like if we have that uh tool with us why not use it um you know there's no reason to let it go to waste when you know you have 
somebody that actually has like you know a decent not stock death metal sound <laughs> so it was just another you know no, something else that we, we could layer into um the music and just you know give it a little bit more power in, in some aspects so is that why it's kind of like well and again it just it may feel sporadic or sparing you know being used sparingly throughout the tracks but again these are you know longer tracks like 10 minute long songs sometimes so but is that kind of like a conscious effort to not really have a a lot of vocals in each song and you just kind of like let the music do its thing yeah for sure because i I feel like i'm very um conscientious of using every element just only as much as it needs to be used Mm. like there's definitely a lot of bands that i hear that either overuse blast beats or overuse vocals and it kind of like there's good parts to them but that element just laid on so thick whichever one it may be just kind of kills it for me so i don't i try not to like do too much of one thing like Mm. not do like too much of a good thing so um plus i don't know i i i personally like focusing on the instrumental aspects of things myself but i definitely think that the vocals add uh, a good um element to this stuff and also having craig do backup vocals as well is really cool because he has a different range um he's very good with the you know the 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 higher um uh, elements with the with the growling he also has a pretty sick low too but christian has a good mid-range with with his uh with his growls so they balance each other out pretty well and And i always thought it's it's cool to have like multiple people sing on stage of course yeah it definitely share sharing the load but also like you said getting the other dynamics out there because you know people have different styles and different vocal ranges and everything like that um when you started this off when you started the whole fires project off because uh, you you were in um God, archaic decapitator. yeah okay decapitator uh before that was this kind of like just like a solo kind of gig project that you were just like noodling around in your house uh, and then like yeah, kind I, of I was out? writing a song for Archaic actually it was the, the one that ended up being Chained to the Earth but it was too too slow for that band and it just like it wouldn't have worked but I I enjoyed it and you know I set it aside and then a few months down the road I was I decided to just explore it a little bit further and do something um, completely different from archaic and it just kind of grew to what it did it wasn't at first like we would never wanted to play live shows we were just doing it for ourselves and it was fun but then when we got into uh, a rehearsal space and we ran the keys through um, the PA it really filled out the room so much that like it only took like one practice to realize that you know we really should bring this to to a live stage because it's really captivating like it creates like a a really dense atmosphere um so it just kind of grew from there but initially it was never planned out to to be what it is Mm. and so that being said what's it been like now you know five six years after uh you know and this you know the, the latest album that you put out this last year has really started to get your band out there and your name out there and stuff like that i mean the album's been on a lot of top album lists for the year uh we haven't dropped our album list yet but <clears throat> at this time but by the time this is out it probably will be out so check that out but um of course, yeah. 
you know, you are on Decibel's uh, metal, you know, metal album list, and that's kind of like a very coveted uh, list. And you know, we're we're pretty good friends with those guys, so I kind of agree with that uh, being on there. But like, you know, as a project that you didn't really think was even going to be played live at first, and you know, this or the other, and and. I, Remind me if your previous band, I don't think your previous band was signed, right? It was just like a... No. Okay. So, yeah, with that other aspect added to it, like now you've got a signed band or, you know, not the signed band, but you have signed records. You have all this, you know, accolades are kind of like starting to fucking come, come through the pipeline. How does it feel, you know, after being an artist for so long that you're kind of now starting to get some kind of notoriety and you can find, you know, ride the wave, so to speak. It's, it's kind of interesting. Like it's, for me, it's very unexpected. I try to like not read into that, all that stuff too much. I just hope that, you know, whatever I'm writing resonates with somebody. And I'm really like, sometimes I guess I feel a little bit surprised, but, but at the same time, it's, it's really touching to meet people on the road and on tour and stuff that pull you aside and say like, there's certain parts of your music and like your lyrics and whatever and you know just some certain melodies that really hit a really strong note with me because that's all i really want <laughs> you know so to connect like yeah. the fact that i achieved that means a lot more to me than anything else but it's also funny because with archaic decapitator like that band was something that um me and craig and our, our first drummer kyle started when we were like 18 19 20 years old and we grinded for so long like trying to <laughs> break through and you know we went through different different like genre like changes and stuff it started off as like a techie just like really grimy death metal thing and just really atrocious because we didn't know what we were doing back then and then it transitioned to more of a mellow death thing and then at the end of the day something that i didn't even expect too many people to hear uh, ends up taking off so it's it's a strange paradox yeah that's how it works right you know like the thing you're not really yeah. thinking about just catches on but i mean it's very interesting like you know the name i remember um god when because i took over lamb goat like july so i started posting the news july of last year 2022 yeah 2022 so i remember like seeing the name come across and it just for some reason stuck with my stuck with me and then i started listening to the music and you know so on and so forth and next thing you know i'm coming to the shows that you guys are well i don't know if you like tour that often because i know other guys in your bands have daytime full full gigs and you know jobs and stuff like that so i don't necessarily know like yeah, how we often all do, man it's yeah. like it's really tough to do both uh i remember talking to andy from black crown initiate years ago and he pretty much said like you 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 got to pick one or the other down the road you can't do both yeah that's true uh, and it kind of sounds like you might you guys may be having that conversation maybe in the next you know album cycle or whatnot uh, whenever that may be oh, we've obviously we've been but... we've been having that conversation it's it's uh it's really tough you know we're doing our best to find some kind of middle ground um but it's it's that's that's a really deep and heavy topic that I'll, I'll probably be able to illuminate a little bit like further down the road maybe next year yeah uh, but right now it's it's definitely a heavy topic of conversation in the band because I'm know, sure not everybody we're all can... aware that music doesn't pay the bills that's and, true yeah you know 
and I'm sure that you know uh, to have certain members in of the band like give up their day jobs they would have to sacrifice quite a bit because you know uh, yeah it, it is uh, it's not always for sure the paycheck in the metal world especially in the more smaller niche metal worlds where you know fires live and stuff like that but um, does so it hinders you a bit currently for the last couple of years in like you know taking on tour packages or being added to tours or anything like that so like how often have you guys been able to because i know you guys did come here in october for but i think that was like a two week or a week and a half tour for you guys yeah and that was like two weeks two and a half weeks is something that's definitely possible but you know for some of us that's an entire year's vacation time um i was kind of lucky like um before we left for that tour i was leaving my previous job so um when we came back i knew that i was gonna start applying to to new gigs and stuff like that so i had more uh kind of free time but you know um jordan was getting a new job too he just moved to boston you know so um and then uh, craig uh is a financial planner like he he had you know he has his own office he he can't leave his clients for too long either but um and christian does he has his own business he does flooring um i work at a i used to work at a hospital uh right now i I just got a new job at a dialysis clinic i'm a nurse there so it's just it's not really jobs that you can just leave and come back to can't really go on three month tours and stuff like that so we have to be really selective uh with what we are able to do um, and just make sure we plan it out really carefully so we get the, you know, the most really out of mm-hmm. whatever shows we, we can put on. So, um, Do you guys get any kind of offers for, like, European or, you know, international tours? Because, again, you guys did hit, like, a, well, at least on Spotify, it shows you have, like, 140 countries, you know what I mean, that listen at some point to the the album or the band. So I'm sure yeah. you get those offers, but you can't take those offers, you know what I mean? There's been a couple that came up that we had to, um, that we just couldn't work out, and it was, there was, like, two or three. And some of them were a real bummer because they were with bands that were hugely influential for me, but it just was not in the cards, and it's, mm. you know, sometimes you have to make that difficult choice even though that is like i i'm never gonna stop writing music and you know regardless of where it 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 takes me or it takes this band like i'm always gonna keep doing it um but i also have to you know pay my bills too so it's 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 a difficult choice that we have to make but yeah at least it is what it is you know at least yeah and at least in the age of the internet that's you know you have the ability to kind of like maybe not tour so frequently but people can still access you in some way whether it's like social media spotify apple music or even like if you guys do some kind of like live stream stuff for fans or whatever not like a show but maybe like you know interactive we've done that we've done that before too like during covid we did a a live stream and then um we recorded the entire first album in uh here in connecticut it was a big open studio um and you know we'll do that as much as i know i remember lepers did the same thing a lot like black dahlia murder did the same thing a lot of bands were doing that during covid too so um we'll figure some things out like that we're trying to figure out a middle ground you know and see if we can actually find one but i know it's it's a really elusive thing 
um and not a lot of bands are able to do it you know what i mean mm -hmm. just like uh to be able to um go out on tours like one uh, once a year for maybe like three four weeks or um or just like do festivals exclusively or something that's like also not very easy to right. break into wow. as well um i can kind of see you guys doing that though uh but again the slots the the you know the performance slots or timing that you get on a festival isn't necessarily like long you know some of them are 25 minutes 20 minutes yeah. you know so you go up there and rip two songs and then you're done, <laughs> you're done for the the day yeah but know? it's still fun you know what of i mean course. it's still uh revitalizing makes you feel like you're still in it and makes you you know feel like it's still worth it um for the live aspect of things and you know if we could transition into being like a festival band i totally would but it's not really easy to break into mm -hmm. um that festival club you know what i mean because there's there's a lot of labels that have their own monopolies on certain things and oh, it's yeah. you know it's it's a lot of bureaucracy yeah <laughs> so. oh, yeah for sure there's a lot of money flowing around those things so i, I know they're probably pretty stingy and picky as to far as like who's involved and who gets to come along for the trip um would you prefer like u.s based festivals or international festivals because i would no, see absolutely you like international i would, yeah, I, would see, I, I, I mean i could see that we're going to, we're going to um the well the plan is right now we're going to be at uh uk desert fest in may nice um and we're trying to uh get a couple of adjacent dates there with some people because you know um make it worthwhile if, if, we're, if we're flying across the pond might as well do a couple more gigs and make like uh take our vacation time and maybe do like a week's worth of shows there uh but yeah no i would love to play like anywhere uh canada has been really cool montreal has been one of our favorite cities to play uh us is dope too but you know like i definitely want to travel and play to as many different crowds as i can so yeah when i was That's why in... we don't really play connecticut very often uh we try to go to places we've never been to before and sometimes you take a chance and sometimes you know it's not the best result and sometimes it's a fantastic result so yeah. but i i love like playing in front of new people as much as i can so what is the connecticut scene like up there for like bands within the death metal and like you know a melodic melodic metal um genres like because i've whenever i think of like new england or whatever i don't necessarily think of metal i think of a lot of like hardcore uh because that's yeah. where you know a lot of that stuff came yeah, from yeah that's what everybody hate breathe all that shit <laughs> yeah so what's it like <laughs> up there for you guys you know being in like a melodic death metal death metal band um we we only really play like once a year and we put on gigs with uh, some mostly folks we know uh, either in the tri-state area or, or here in, in Connecticut and it's more of like something we do for ourselves I know there's um, this state has like Shadow of Intent which is pretty mm -hmm. big um, there's another band that's on Century Media Death Metal Band but I forget their name I actually saw them um, at uh, our local venue the Webster uh, a couple of months ago but um I believe we had like Fate's Warning from Hartford too. That's going back. Uh, I might be wrong, but yeah, I mean it's a very small state. You know, I don't really go to hardcore shows mm. or anything like that. But I'm sure that scene is still alive and kicking here. And I, I don't really make it out to as many gigs as I'd like to, uh, whether it be local or international. I just like the first show I went to in 
probably a year and a half was catatonia a few weeks ago yeah i missed um, that they're they um they're playing tomorrow in orlando and uh that was an album that i you know posted again I, that was like one of the first singles i might have posted in the first couple of months or whatever of you know taking over the news so to speak and god that that song just like infected my brain and just would not yes. stop playing and so like uh oddly enough i'm not even into that kind of music that much but i've i've ripped the shit out of that cd all year long and i was excited to see that they're playing orlando tomorrow but i got booked on another gig in west palm beach so I'm like, fuck, I can't go to the show. It's like the only Florida date or something like that. And I was like, well, fuck it, whatever. But it, it was cool, it man. They had this band called Som, S-O-M, opening for them. Uh, I believe it's part of the tour package, which really, for me, stole the show. They were really, really cool. Um, and Catatonia is always great. You know, I mean, they've changed their sound over the years for sure. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed pretty much all the records they put out in the last like 15 years, even yeah. before that. I mean, they're they're like older looking via the pictures. I don't know exactly their age, but it would make sense, you know, that they've kind of like um, not nerfed their sound, but made it more, you know, palatable for other people. And now their audience is probably wider and grander. But yeah, yeah. again, they're playing I mean, all the they, time. They're playing the world all the time. They evolve, and half of those guys are in bloodbath. So you know, they have other outlets. the singer. The singer is the bassist, and then uh, their guitar player is also in bloodbath. But um, Bloodbath is like at least uh, my favorite record was with Peter Tagren doing vocals. The Nightmares Made Flesh, I think, is one of my favorite death metal albums of all time. I think they had the perfect lineup on that album and the p- perfect songs, too. With um, Dan Swano of Edge of Sanity was playing guitar, and mm-hmm. you know, his, his solos and leads were incredible. And Peter, I, I think Peter is my favorite vocalist of all time like in in the death metal world for sure awesome awesome um how did you get in to death metal and like heavy metal that's a funny story (laughs) that's a really funny especially in like the hardcore uh, world you know i mean like you're in like the hardcore capital of that you know at that time i would assume you're even even if we're i mean we're in the hardcore capital but i've never enjoyed hardcore music i can see that Uh, but (laughs) i mean not not you personally but i can see why it's not you know palatable for people i understand completely yeah um how i got it's weird i grew up in in moscow until i was uh 10 years old we moved to the states in the early 90s and over there um at the time at least in the early 90s the the biggest uh music was either like uh folky or like goth rock or um like electronic music so like one of the first bands i really got into was like early 90s prodigy like Hell music yeah. for the jilted generation album Hell was yeah. like i had it on cassette i had it on cd I, I was used to listen to it in my walkman all the time and still to this day i think it's a phenomenal record um it's, so i started out with that and also around the time we moved to the states the first mortal Kombat movie came out <laughs> and they had uh, it's funny i tell the story all the time i bought the or my my brother rather bought the soundtrack on a cassette at like a subway kiosk and I remember listening to it, and uh, Napalm Death's uh, Twist the Knife was on it. And that was the first song I remember hearing that made me like, well, like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. I, I love it. I didn't even know I would love it, but yeah. I, I did. Yeah. And that's like what started me down the path of like heavier music was 
that Napalm Death song. Well, at least you got to, you know, I mean, that's not a bad band to get introduced to heavy, you know, crazy wild shit. Yeah, especially for a yeah. youngster at that at that time. Um, I yeah. still think Barney has one of the coolest vocals ever. For sure. And, you know, like some people, you know, again, that's a band that's been around for fucking decades and they've not overly changed their sound or whatever, but I can't tell. I Dude, Throws, isn't that the album with the... Yeah, yeah. That album is so it's, fucking good, dude. It's and, sick, dude. It's uh, Zero Gravitas Chamber. I listen to that shit all the time. It's yeah. disgusting. And I know people were like not super fond of it, but I was like, dude... I, I would oh, run. I don't, care. I, w- <laughs> I don't care what people say. It's amazing. Yeah, no, for sure. I would put that on during like my runs and I would just run for the entire album, you know, throughout yeah. my town or whatever. And it was just like, I would constantly go back to it for that reason. And it just became like such a badass fucking album. And I couldn't, I couldn't see where people were like hating on it. But then if I, you know, I would remind myself of like, 80s Napalm Death and, you know, yeah. 90s Napalm Death. Like, oh, yeah. People hate. They they'll find reasons to hate absolutely nothing nowadays, <laughs> and like I I still love like older Napalm too like Breathe to Breathe and, and Greed Killing like Words from the Exit Wound like I have all of their albums and they're they're they it's interesting and that's a band that I never imagined I would enjoy with like better production but their production's gotten exactly. continuously like tighter over the years and I really enjoy that too yeah so and I, I think it really and again I, I hate bringing up throws again but goddamn, that i think the production on that album and the mixing on that album is so fucking good and like that i think I, my biggest argument with like the death metal crowd so to speak would be uh in the death metal adjacent crowd would be the production stuff like people are very snobby about metal production sometimes and like thrash thrash kind of falls under that too where like a lot of the early thrash and the early death metal sounds like that because that's it wasn't they were they weren't trying to sound like that as far as the production goes that's just all they were limited to or the people that were recording them you know may not have been like the most um inept at recording death metal so it sounds very kind of like i don't want to say flat but sounds like you're you recorded it in like a fucking tin trash can you know what i mean and like it's very yeah, it's, it's very organic and raw right you know? but there's no yeah. you don't there's no bass you can't hear like a lot of low end or anything like that but that was one of the things on that uh napalm death album i was like holy fuck you can hear so much more and it's yeah. just way more it's full so you know what i mean but i could understand i could totally see like uh this probably doesn't go over well with a lot of the original napalm death fans yeah but i mean there's there's an argument for like production that's way too tight that makes a band sound mechanical yeah and there's uh you know an argument to uh bands like for example like spawn of possession has always had a very organic sound to them where it's not overproduced at all and you could hear everything like i think spawn of possession for sure is like the one of the pinnacles of like technical music um and they didn't like for example, if if you and I'm not I'm not trying to compare the two, but you listen to like Zenith Passage or something like that, who has extremely tight production. It's yeah. like tuned to the finest little degree. Uh, but they also write really cool riffs, so I don't mind that. But there's some bands that do it way like they take it way too far, where it just sounds a little plastic. Yeah, agreed. So I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not I'm not okay with it sounding plasticky, but like I'm okay with it sounding like. 
it was recorded in a tin can if it's like a 1981 recording or something like that. But if it's a 19, yeah. if it's like a 2021 recording and you're trying to like, you know, have that same sound, it's just like why? Because when bands, well, you know, retro is fucking in. I, I know, like, yeah, nostalgia and retroism is is all great. But I mean, like when I'm hearing a band live, it's not going to sound like there's going to be low end. There's going to have lo- yeah. there's going to be low end elements and stuff like that. So it's going to sound different than it would if I'm listening to it on record or CD, right? So that's the thing like i was always like i don't get why people shit on like better production in metal and stuff like that but it's just like it's a constant back and forth obviously with the crowd so i i for yeah. one am, am am in support of it the better it can sound the the better it sounds like through spotify through uh record through cd if it sounds more like i'm gonna hear them live i'm so more yeah. apt to, to see them live because i'll listen to that record more as, as long as they can replicate it live. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Some bands, you know, rely on that type production a little too much. And then when it comes to actually play it in person, it's like, is this even the same people? Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're correct on that. You're correct. Um, yeah, movie soundtracks, man. We, I was talking about that literally yesterday with uh, my partner uh, here at Lamb Goat. And we were talking about, because, uh, you know, I don't know if you, again, are a fan of hardcore music, but... Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine was previously in a hardcore um, band called Inside Out, and they're kind of like teasing a reunion or whatever for next year. And so we were talking about Rage Against the Machine, and um, they were in, and I just recently saw the Godzilla movie, so we just kind of like smashed the two conversations together, and we started talking about the Godzilla movie that came out in the late '90s, early 2000s that had uh, Jimmy Page and Robert, or Jimmy Page and Puff Daddy redo like Cashmere or whatever. And that album, we were just talking about like how soundtracks were so good back in the day, like especially for like heavy music, not just, you know, I think heavy music in that time frame in the late 90s, 2000s really shined like with the Resident Evil soundtracks, the end of day soundtrack and all these other big movie soundtracks. And a lot of people, you know, got introduced to like whether it's metal, new metal, you know, heavy metal or whatever, like, you know again you had napalm death from the mortal Kombat movie so it's like it's really sad that we don't have that as much anymore but it was cool for that time i don't know about you but i've definitely focused i mean i've noticed um in the last i could you could say 20 years maybe more that the um music in general whether it's in movies or video games or anything like that it's definitely taken a back seat and that's a really big shame because music is was such an essential component for like a lot of films and a lot of like dope games that i remember yeah. from the the 90s and 2000s like those are the that's what made me really remember those those times you know and now music's like in in film uh it just feels like more of a supplement than anything else like uh it's there because it has to be and i think i think that's that's a big bummer because it's you know like you remember movies like Gladiator, for example. Like mm-hmm. the score on that was just like monumental. Like that's what oh, yeah, yeah. made people. I feel like it's a big reason why people remember that movie so much because it was so moving during those like also very moving scenes as well. So, right. but but it paired together, yeah. it takes it to another level. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But again, I don't know. Like you know, I think certain genres like new metal very much benefited from that that time frame of just being you know they were in like the movies they were in too the those songs were in were just connecting with like a younger 
audience. Yeah, but they also fit in with those types of movies right, too. Exactly. Like uh, I know what you did last summer. That's a perfect new metal, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know movie. Almost. Wow. Like shit like yeah, that. you're, you're not movies, wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. But you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, I only rem- I remember some of those movies only because of the soundtrack. So that yeah. you know, what I mean, that's kind of a whole thing too. Maybe one day we'll get back to that. I mean, certain certain video games, I would say like still kind of use music as a not a focal point uh but as like a very much part of the game like when i would play and this could all i haven't played these games in forever but like when i would play madden uh on xbox in like the mid 2000 2010s there were a lot of bands like you know i think bullet from a valentine was on there and there was some other kind of like metal bands that were on there and i remember thinking i'm starting to like memorize these other songs that I don't want to memorize. Not Bullet for My Valentine, yeah. but they had other artists and other genres on there. And like here I am just going like so I know that people are being introduced to like bands that I'm familiar with at that time and they're thinking the same thing like oh no I'm falling into like Bullet for My Valentine fan base, you know? So it some bands, I mean some uh gaming companies do it right and obviously you have like, i mean dude guitar like, hero do rock movies band, nowadays right? even use like bands in their soundtracks anymore I, I don't know i mean i haven't really looked into no. it but i haven't really noticed any like songs per se it's always like an orchestral little score or something you know yeah i guess i don't Whereas, know i i don't know i don't movies these days kind of suck i'm just gonna no oh, <laughs> i mean they're all remakes it's like yeah that too it's very <laughs> rare to find an original film I will say this: yeah. the new Godzilla movie, thoroughly impressed. I went in with the worst, uh, with the worst mindset. Like I was like, I don't even fucking like Godzilla movies. But my partner, uh, my girl, big horror movie. Obviously, girls are always horror movie fans, but she's also big into like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, yeah. Godzilla was like big for her. So she really wanted to see it, and she was super excited. So we went, and I was like, okay, this is all subtitles. It's all in you know Japanese, but damn. Even though Godzilla looked cheesy, in my head I was like, he's supposed to look cheesy. Like it, right, yeah, this yeah. is so much like a nod back into like the old, you know, man in the suit vibe, and it was thoroughly impressed. And I would see it again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I kind of had the same like, uh, well, a similar mindset going to see the New Evil Dead. Uh, I mean, I'm huge into like horror myself and stuff. And I remember when the remake first came out, I. Th- think in the 2010s or something like that initially i was really pissed off because i'm like you know big into the originals but now i enjoy it and i thought the new evil dead was really cool too i know a lot of people rip on that movie but i thought it was a cool idea i do have to go revisit that i've only seen uh evil dead one and two i then i was like i get it it's just not it's like a humorous horror movie and it's not for me but that was also way back in the day so i i have to revisit a lot of things because i was too high and mighty in my younger days you know Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too high. There's a lot of bands that I never even checked out just based on like what the band photo or the title. Oh, of the I, band I suffer was. from the same affliction with that, and I'm sure I, I missed a lot of really good music just yeah. uh, seeing the artwork and being like, "Nah." <laughs> so my question, my you you came from uh, you came from Russia or, or uh, mm-hmm. Moscow. So like, yeah. do you have any siblings? Like an older sibling, younger sibling? I have one brother, but he lives here in uh, in Jersey. Okay. I don't really have much family left back there. Um, no, I mean, like, do you, but here, like, do you had someone, because I'm always curious as to how people find themselves in uh, the heavy music world. And obviously you had that soundtrack, but, um, like, finding new bands after 
after finding um, Napalm Death through that soundtrack, like, how did you go about it? Did you have fr- a friend base or someone in your family that would show you others? No, 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 no. My my brother is not. He's he lives in a whole different world. I don't even know if he likes music per se, mm-hmm. but uh, like just going through school. You know, I was very young. Uh, uh, like middle school and in high school were the the years where I where I really started like getting digging more into this kind of music and it was going to like stores they had, like media play here and I would go like peruse all the CDs and I would find like albums with really cool artwork like uh, Children of Bodom mm. like Follow the Reaper I was like this looks cool and then you you know you put it on and it's mind blowing so and then you know uh, well what did we have back then like LimeWire and shit yeah cause uh... so <laughs> you know things like that just ripping and infecting computers all over the country parents oh, yeah, parents yeah. were so happy about that <laughs> yeah just going to shows you know one of my f- favorite gigs i ever went to was uh i think 2002 or one or something like that it was bodum opening then hypocrisy uh nevermore in, in demo Borgir, which mm. was such a stacked fucking bill especially for all of those bands at the times they released some of their best records i know but you know and at the time no one really knew it and like looking yeah, back yeah, 20 yeah. years later you're like holy fuck that's the best thing about yeah. like looking that's not the best thing but some of the things like show flyers you'll see uh you know in in metal or hardcore or all adjacent you know heavy music uh genres you'll see those bills where it's like six bands that you're like, Oh my God, they could like sell out thousand seats, you know, thousand seat venues at thousands of seats venues. Now, you know, if that tour came, you know, like even some of the early Ozfest stuff, like Jesus, you know, compared to festivals that are going on now, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, that th- those things were so stacked. And sometimes I reminisce of how good we had it without knowing it, you know, cause like you said, that, that show is so stacked too. It was yeah, it was a lot, a lot of word of mouth, you know, and just like even back then, you'd see some really huge dude with a lot of patches, and <laughs> you'd be like, "Oh, that patch looks cool," and then you go home and you check it out and be like, "Oh, he's got good taste in music." So it's, it's like stuff like that, you know. It's but now you can just like do a Google search and find a blog with like yeah exactly what you're looking for. Oh, and Spotify. I mean, I I've, I've never really used Spotify, but I know like you can just it'll send you to like uh you know similar artists and you can find so much shit that way it's a Um, it's a love-hate relationship with that with with streaming services and you know i know that we post we post a lot about like streaming service stuff and you know what goes on behind the scene but and i know like they get a lot of hate but i've been subscribed to like dude i've been subscribed to spotify for like half a decade or something like that or more now you know what i mean and like that I don't know if I have a love hate relationship. I don't think I understand what goes on in the back end to make everything work and to make all of the systems and yada 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 work. So I don't know exactly how much money is flying around to people's pockets or to the artists or whatever. But I know from like just me, my personal use, like I have found, like you said, so much. So I've been introduced to so many things through that app, and like now it just keeps getting better and better. Like there's this uh, algorithmic DJ feature that will, you know, take what you've listened to and be like, Hey, here are some other things in your, that wheelhouse that you may like. And they were doing that previously. Like if you were listening to certain genres or certain groups of genres, they would throw them together in like a daily mix. Right. So you would have like multiple daily mixes, which, you know, could be rap, rock, heavy metal, instrumental, you know, electronic, whatever. And they would just kind of like 
showcase a bunch of music within that genre, which was cool. And the DJ feature, I think, is more uh, more intimate, uh, more algorithmic, algorithmic, whatever you fucking want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, like, I can't not use it. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where, like, I'll I'll happily pay for, you know, multiple people to use it. I have a family plan, so I give it out to people sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I I don't blame you for it, dude. Honestly, like, my my friend uh, uses it all the time. And, you know, we're huge fans of Leprous. Yeah, 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 for sure. At least me, like, uh, I, I got into the bilateral album, like, real heavy about 10 years ago. And, you know, he would throw that on a Spotify and uh, one day he was like, oh, look, dude, I found like 14 bands that are almost just as good that nobody's ever heard of. Exactly. And I was like, exactly. show me right now. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Leverus, that, that band, that's a band that I was stumbling through YouTube drum covers one day, like years ago. And I don't, what is it, Jard? What's his name? The drummer? Bard. For yeah. Dude, Stad, yeah. That guy is fucking insane. He is. He's that, nuts. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I may not like the vocals all the time in that band or anything like that, but I'll fucking listen to it because I know whatever he's playing is like robotic arm man. He's he's so yeah. crazy. And he's he, yeah, he's super unique. He fucking hits like a monster too. And uh, you know what's really cool about that band? And my history might be a little bit you know off, but from what I remember. Uh, most of those guys were the backing band for Esan Live mm. before they started Leprous. Um, that kind of makes sense. I think uh, the the singer is like his brother-in-law or some shit like that. So, but <laughs> and that, you know those vocals. But, those I'm not going to shit on those vocals. It works for whatever is going on for that band. It yeah. works and like I I'll fucking sing along. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not like I'm well, not singing I, along. It's hard to because he hits some notes which are almost unreachable for us regular people. I'm not saying I'm doing it in key. I'm singing along. Though. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely hum along to a lot of that shit. Uh, but yeah, no, especially bilateral. And the congregation were two records that were just monumental. I didn't even know people were writing music like that. Yeah, you know, you know and that, that's the like. thing. Like, Europe's got a whole different thing going on over there. Like, metal did get big in the early uh, in the eighties and early nineties here. You know, like following like the grunge or not following the grunge, but like right before grunge started coming in. Like, you would see like all this like wacky hair metal which then started spawning like you know extreme quote-unquote extreme metal in the underground and you started seeing like cannibal corpse in movies with like pet detective and ace ventura and shit and they're getting like noted you know they're getting oh, known for <laughs> yeah i talked to alex about that and i was like do you guys are you guys still friends and they're like we don't we weren't really friends and i was like oh well that's oh, it's a bummer yeah. dude that sucked because i was such a huge jim carrey fan actually when we were um the night before we were in Jacksonville, we had a green room that had a TV with a VCR, and we were watching Ace Ventura before we went on, on stage. It's good <laughs> it stuff. Was fucking awesome. Like a glove. Um, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was that one. God, what the fuck was I talking about? We were talking about Leprous, but then we got. Oh, uh, you were talking about how like the the contrast in in, in Europe. Oh and yeah, the yeah, US yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like there's way more mainstream metal stuff going on in Europe, whether it's like a napalm wreck. Cause I mean, I do, I, we, again, I get flooded with emails about bands on late signed bands, right? Not and on top of like underground bands, but like signed bands like napalm records has like so many artists or nuclear black has so many artists where it's like very palatable metal, like female fronted metal. That is 
on the radio all over, you know, or they have like Viking metal or <laughs> pirate metal. There's so many different versions of metal going on over in Europe that can't sustain themselves. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's wild that it doesn't, it's not the same here in the States. You know what I mean? No, it's definitely a different dynamic over there. I, th- I feel like they appreciate their music in a different way. I can see that. Than we do here. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, from what it seems like, at least from, you know, across the ocean, it seems like it's much more of an integral part of, of their the fans' lives over there. You know, like all the festival. And plus, Europe is so condensed and, like, there, there's festivals all over the place. Right, right. You can take a train to go see, like, one of the sickest lineups ever. Um, Luckily, we're, we're, starting to get, we're starting to get those four-day, like, super stacked festivals that are in the Euro style, like... But it's still, I mean, it's here, it's kind of few and far between, and then you have to make a whole fucking trip out of it. Yep. Uh, at least for me, anyway. I'm old. You know. <laughs> <So it's> like... <laughs> You're not the only one. I've done it. I do it all the time. Every year, we trek to a couple of them, and I'm like, fuck, this, these four days are, like, sometimes brutal. Because we're there for most yeah. of the day, too, you know? Like, we're, we're covering a lot of stuff, and we're walking around a lot more than the average person. And it's like doing Rockville in the middle of May in Florida outside for four days it's like fuck but I, f- I feel like in Europe they like they definitely get to see bands perform that also will never come to the States right for whatever reason you know and it's definitely missing out on that a lot here um I know like Emperor's doing some shows like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if they'll do them here but it would be dope to like yeah. see them perform again maybe some of our bigger metal bands should be like we're not going over there until you guys come over here but who knows i don't think that's a card they yeah. can play <laughs> they can't they can't <laughs> they can't because again that's like a big market that's such a big market over there you know for uh metal it's crazy which is good um yeah so what is in the future for fires in the dark i'm sorry fires in the distance <laughs> <laughs> it's fires do fires do go in the dark though too you know you need some light yeah. but so fire what what is yeah. in the next couple of years so you just had the album last uh april or march right you april released the al- yeah the album. april and we just got done with the tour for this year in october and uh, right now I'm, I'm i'm just writing i i have one track down uh and i'm just gonna try to make the most out of just being home i'm getting settled into my new job and um just just try to ride the creative wave as much as i can because you know i've I've definitely hit some lengthy blocks before so while it's there i'm gonna take advantage of it um so and and until may we're just we're just you know just kind of chilling i'm gonna be focusing on the writing aspect of things i I think the other guys are just you know just focusing on their lives and stuff and in may um they're gonna try to uh make something out of that week in in uh in the uk mm-hmm. see what we can do there um so yeah it's just writing mode man cool what is your typical like your ideal not typical what is your ideal album cycle because you had the uh pandemic release which is the first album and then you had your yeah. other one uh in 2023 early 2023 this year pandemic so. it almost sounds like a south park episode right well that's kind of where it is pandemic album. I mean, it is a pandemic album yeah um i would say like two two and a half years but it's hard to i try not to you know quantify it with with time because i i i can't force anything and if it's not there it's not there um luckily like you know prosthetic's been very kind with uh not putting a time limit on you know when i have to give them something 
Uh, they're very supportive when it comes to just, you know, taking whatever amount of time that I need to be as creative as I can. So I don't really feel the pressure from them, uh, which is a big, um, you know, relieving factor. Um, but usually it takes about maybe a year and a half, two years, if I really can focus on something uh, without any breaks. Um, and I'm good with like uh, an hour's worth of time. I don't. Mm. I really try not to go over that. Uh, a little bit under is fine too. Um, and uh, after that, it's just you know banging it out in the studio. And unfortunately, waiting for vinyls—that's the longest uh, aspect of putting out an album nowadays. Well, hey, so, it'll get better and better as time gets away from the pandemic. You mean you know that was a big yeah. problem for that year too? Those couple of years. Well, Adele kind of made it hard for everybody with the vinyls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those albums, I mean, there's so many of those albums just sitting around collecting dust on in trash cans probably <laughs> somewhere. You know, Taylor Swift and her, those are crazy, crazy amounts of vinyl. Be impressed. But, like, you know, your band's just trying to press a couple hundred here or a couple thousand. Yeah, here, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. No need fucking hundred thousand. scraps of the material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, yeah, that's why all these metal albums are in, like, splatter colors. There's not enough, uh, you know, uh, enough vinyl going around. We got to use all these bits and pieces from everywhere. But, um, and tapes are, I mean, cassettes are making a big comeback too. Like almost yep. every show that I go to, somebody has cassettes for sale. Yeah, we just, we, Lamb Goat Records is uh, a thing again. And we kind of put out um, 18 Visions, the, uh, you know, Orange County Metalcore band from back in the day, uh, is still going strong. They just put out their newest uh, EP last month, uh, Purgatorio. And we helped them put out like variants. Uh, we put out the CD as well as the cassette tape. So, like, uh, yeah, you know, that was something that we've noticed too is cassettes are definitely coming back in full, which is weird because, like, I was talking to my buddy and he was like, I'm not buying a tape player. I'm not going to, I was like, no one's listening to tapes. I don't think anyone's really listening to tapes. There's not, that's no, not the ideal way. Yeah, that's not the ideal way know, to like, ingest the music. <laughs> so many, uh, especially metal fans, like, so many of them are audiophiles. So that's why they love the vinyl. And I totally get that. There's a there's a vast difference between a obviously a CD and a vinyl record. Is there, Igor? Nope. Is there? Yeah, I think so. I is there? Have to invest in a record player myself just to test it out, and it's true. I don't but, know about uh, all that. The, I don't know. I'm on the I'm on the aspect of like CD is king, and I have vinyl and a really good record player. But I'm like, dude, CD is the most accessible thing. That's why it's king, you know. But the the cassette. I, I think it's definitely a, a nostalgia thing. Um, I'm even considering buying another walk-on just... But then again, it's just going to yeah, collect yeah, yeah. dust, like you said. Like, I'm not going to use it because I'm not going to, like... Walk around the neighborhood. Use it for the sound quality. No. It's not going to fit in my pockets. It's going to stick out, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we <laughs> literally were talking about buying Walkmans just for... You know what I mean? He was like, I don't want to buy a tape. And I go, I don't buy tapes either. But I mean, we put the tape out. So it's fucking like a cool, <laughs> it's a cool thing for us. Right. But he's like, oh, fuck, yeah. I, miss, I guess I need a Walkman. And I just died laughing. And I, you know, but again, that might go with like how metal sounded back in the day. Those guys were like, hell yeah. That's true. I didn't even think tapes, about that. Tapes you know? rock, dude. But they, that's, they're just the worst audio ever. Uh, somebody loves it. Yeah, not me. I do have a couple, but I'm not listening to them. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, Igor. It was a great time. Uh, great time chatting with you for this. Uh, I'm glad we finally got it after a couple of months of going back and forth. And um, I'm going to hop off here and listen to uh, The Sky is Red by Leprous uh, for five times in a row, maybe. I may even watch the video of uh, 
of Homeboy just playing the drums. That video is so crazy because he has another guy join him. Yeah, they got the two drummers. It's, it's so, so sick. fucking nuts, dude. But yeah. all right, all right. I'll let you go. I got a whole day. Yeah, it was a pleasure, me. man. Thanks for having me. And uh, anytime, uh, let me know. I'll come on and chat with you. Yeah, yeah. Let me know in, um, when you guys are coming around again. Obviously, it's not too and far. It's not. It's few and far between. But let me know. I'd love right. to come catch you guys live again. It was a great time. Yeah, man. We'll keep in touch. You have a good day. Take it easy, man. Take care, bro. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.